All right, so last week uh, of the whole series, excited to give you this piece of it. Um, we've been saying uh, about this series, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Uh, whatever you believe happens after you pass away determines how you live your life here today. Colossians 3, 2 says this about how you should live. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Meaning like the way that you should live is heavenly minded. It's thinking of the ways of God, the things of God, the, the, the way that God uh, rules and reigns. Uh, we use the word kingdom, but we need to be people who set our minds on the things of God, the heavenly things. Uh, we've been saying for a, a few weeks that uh, often, and I grew up in church, I'm a church kid, but uh, there was this season where people would say, oh, that person's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And uh, there was like this season in church where people would come to know God and, and they would have a salvation experience. And, and then all they wanted to do from there was just wait to get to heaven someday. Someday in the sweet by and by, someday I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take the train to heaven. And in the meantime, they lived here on earth not making any kind of difference. And so we've been saying we need to be like Colossians is saying, we need to be so heavenly minded that it causes us to do some earthly good. We're so heavenly minded about the things of God that we're making a difference in our community. We're loving people. We're extending forgiveness to people. Are you with me, right? And then we said, uh, there's also those people that are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They spend their whole life here just building and planning and trying to do things here for the here and now and for this life and the things that they try to build now. Well, that's not eternity. The scripture says that our life is but a vapor. Uh, the example that we used is if you took the top off a pot and the steam goes up for a moment and then it's gone, just like that. It's there for a moment. It's just steam and then it's gone. The scripture refers to our life here on earth as about like that. It's a vapor here a moment and then gone. But if that's the case, then eternity, what happens after our life is an endless ocean. If that moment of time, that vapor, that steam, if that's the thing, then eternity is an endless ocean. And so we need to be spending our energies and our consciousness and our thoughts on eternity and God's ways and, and what he says about it. Amen? I thought we can't be people who are so earthly minded. We do no, no heavenly good. We need to live our lives making a difference for eternity. Statistically, last week, we shared that three people die every second. Three people die every second and face their eternity. 180 people die a minute. 11,000 people die within an hour. So in this one hour that we're at church, 11,000 people will face eternity. 250,000 people die a day. In a four-day period, 1 million people will die. Now, if you took a 30-mile radius of where we are right now, including Grand Rapids, our population where we are is about a million people, okay? And so that means every four days... In a 30-mile radius of everybody we know and see and fill stores and all, they would all be gone. Every four days, that many people go to face eternity. But a concerning statistic that we have from the Barna Research Group is that the modern-day Christian only shares their faith or the gospel or salvation with another person only one time a year. Only one time you have that many people dying every four years facing eternity, and we're not having conversations about eternity. Our mind is not set on things above. How many of you know that needs to change? Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You're not meant to live and win the vapor. You're meant to win eternity and live in happiness in eternity with God, to be with God is glory. Amen. And so it's important for us to know something about 
salvation and how do we get people with God and to God and to that glory. Now, I'll say this. There's no way in the next 15 minutes I can tell you enough about theology and the Bible to tell you literally everything about salvation. There's torn veils and there's blood and there's, I mean, like Bible stuff. And here's what I'll say to you. I'm going to try to give you some pictures, some mind pictures, if you will, to help you remember the process of salvation. One, for our confidence of, God, I'm so thankful for this process that you gave me in my life. But then also, when you're at the lunchroom and God gives you the opportunity to share with somebody else, you can be somebody who goes, you know what? I got this because I remember this and I remember this. And you can openly share. Now, here's what I want to let you know. You could sit here and go, I can't share. I might say something wrong. I might not get it right. I might not have all the words. Listen, I can't tell you exactly everything about how my phone works or how my car works. I can't tell you exactly everything about what it does to make it happen and what's happening to make this going to, but I can show you enough that it can make it work for you, right? I can lead you to success in it, if you will. I know enough about the functions of it that I can make it happen in your life. I think we as Christ followers, it's our responsibility to have enough knowledge of theology to be able to show somebody how salvation can work in their life. Are you with me? I think there's two ways that you do it. I think one is in your studying. You find out what God's word says about it. And then another way that you can show somebody is when we live it out. We just, here's my life on display about how God is working in me. Amen. And so I'm going to say this to you today. I'm not going to give you every answer about every single thing throughout the whole Bible uh, that took place in order for us to come to salvation. But I'm going to give you some bullet points so that you can keep them in your pocket so that we can go out and make a difference and not be the people who only share our faith one time a year. Amen? So Jesus gives us this thing called the Great Commission, and he uses awesome language. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's like, I got all power to say this to you. Now, if I'm in that room, I'm going, what's he going to say? He's got all authority, all power in heaven, and he's about to tell us something. And here's what he tells us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He's saying, go out and make a difference in people's lives eternally. It's the Great Commission. I've got all authority, all power, and I'm telling you, go do this. Go reach people, love people, pray for people, make a difference in people's lives. Teach them how to live the way I taught you to live. Are you with me? And so that's our responsibility, is to go out and teach people in that. And one of the biggest things that we need to know in that is how to lead somebody to God. Because there's a couple of clear scriptures that we need to know. John 3, 3 says this, Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The scripture says, and we talked about it last week, that there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Your good works or how you treated your neighbor, if you do all those kinds of things, but you've not chosen God as your Lord and Savior, there is no other way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when he's saying you must be born again, it's this process that we're about to talk about, salvation. And he uses this terminology in the New Testament with people, and they're going, be born again? What does that mean? I can't be reborn. And he goes into this process of being a person who's made new, salvation. New way of thinking, new way of living. That is our aim. It's that being heavenly-minded that I was just talking about. Amen? So keep that in mind. You know, the first thing is when we're talking about salvation or, or leading someone in the sinner's prayer or life change, it's, it's you got to do it. You have to be made new. 
uh, Romans 10.9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, doesn't say might, says you will be saved. This is what it is. This is salvation. This is your sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. It's when somebody comes to a place in their life and they say, you know what? I'm at the place where I believe that Jesus came down, died on the cross for my sins and your sins and our sins, and he did it and three days later was raised from the dead and God raised him from the dead that I might have eternal life with him. That's salvation. Now, insanely complex, if we were to get into all the theologies and all that had to take place in the perfect blood and all the prophecy and all that stuff, insanely complex, but also insanely simple. What is it saying is you need to be in your walk in life, you need to have your aha God moment where the light bulb comes on and you go, he did it for me so that I don't have to live this way. His blood was shed. He died on the cross so that I wouldn't have to live separate from him, yet I could be in eternity with him. That is salvation and understanding of him as your only Lord and Savior, your only way to heaven, and your forgiveness of sin. Are you with me? And so those are a couple things. Romans 10 and John 3 are a couple big things to keep in your pocket when it comes to eternity. Uh, so a couple things I want to give you. These are your like mind pictures. I want you to try to remember. If you're a note taker, I think that's awesome. Take notes. Uh, but the one thing we need to know is this. First thing, when we have a conversation or when you're thinking about your life and salvation, the truth is we are all on the wrong road. When you are born and you're here and you start your journey on life, you are, as ACDC said, we are all, <coughs> excuse me, on a highway to hell, Right? <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully me not sooner than later, right? Uh, but you're walking in this direction. You, you, you are on your way to hell. Your default destination until you make Jesus Lord of your life is hell. Because the scripture says there's no other way to come to the Father but through me. It's he's the way, the truth, and the life. If there was any other way, why would he send his son to suffer? He didn't because it's the only way. And so we're on our road. Now, I'll pause here and say anyone with a miscarriage or a child who doesn't have the knowledge of making Jesus Lord of their life and they die at a young age, the Bible says that heaven is like these, full of those kids. So I believe those kids go to heaven. But I'm saying as an adult who has knowledge, who has the choice of making Jesus Lord of our life and choosing him, until you do it, you, you are walking this way. And so imagine with me, uh, Maddie's over here holding her breath because I'm so close to him. And so... Uh, you got this jersey on. And unfortunately, your jersey says hell. You're going this way. But then this amazing thing happens. God sends his perfect son and dies on the cross, raises him from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you're walking this way to hell, Jesus comes to you and says, hey, how about a jersey change? If you accept me and believe on me and turn from your wicked ways, you can put this jersey on and then start a life toward heaven. That is salvation. That is what Jesus did for all of us. And so there's this beautiful word, which none of us like, but it's an amazing thing. It's called repentance. And you acknowledge, you know what? This is not the way I want to go. This is not the way I want to live. This is not the person I want to be. So yes, Jesus, I choose you. And then you repent, which means turn to do a 180. You turn of the way you're living and you start walking the road revealed by God to heaven. Are you with me? 
The problem that we see in a lot of culture, though, is people say, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, so Jesus, I choose you. They pray a prayer of salvation, and they turn, and then they moonwalk their whole life because they actually still want to stay real close to this stuff. They want to keep partying the same way they used to, talking the way they used to. So even though they're aimed this way, they're doing like a lot of walking this way. You know what I'm saying? The, the problem with that is salvation isn't just about turning and then waiting for heaven. It's the journey here on earth now is so amazing with God. That's a reward for later, yes, but there's reward for you here now. The Bible doesn't, isn't a book full of rules that's trying to take a bunch of fun out of your life. The Bible has more promises and values for you. It's Jesus going, it's God going, look, hey, the better way to live, don't do it like that. Oh, that's not the way to live. Live like this. This is the best way for you to live because I created you to live this way and I know you and I know you and I love you and I know it's best for you. So don't be people who turn and just say, okay, well, I got heaven now and then you're just moonwalking and staying in a place. No, trust God and go with God and experience the best here and now. Amen? Are you with me? So the one thing we need to know about salvation, we're all headed on the wrong road. And until we say yes to God, that's your destination. And when we surrender our lives to God and we choose him and we put him first and you repent and you make a change, then you are headed on a course to greatness. Are you with me? So that's a big one. The number two thing that I think we need to know about the salvation process is, is, is the idea of this. Uh, we all need a washing machine in our life, if you will. Like a big part of salvation is we're all stained. We're all messed up. We've all messed it up. The scripture says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. I know a whole bunch of people that won't come to church because they have sin in their life or that they've messed up some things. And Jesus is like, wait, no, wait a minute. I'm the God who came down, took on flesh and blood, died on a cross so that I could get those things off of you. The scripture says that uh, when you ask forgiveness of your sin and you come to him, he washes you white as snow. He removes those things from you. It's like Jesus came and paid for that load for you. Well, I got all this stuff and this junk and I just feel bad about it. I'm trying to hide it and I'm trying to remove it on my own. He's like, no, no, no. That's what I came and did. Choose and believe on me and I'll make you new. Are you with me? We can't do it on our own. Uh, one Jer book of Jeremiah, uh, he says this, though you wash yourself with much soap, the stain of your guilt is still there before me. We have to choose to accept God in the process of salvation, making us new and clean. You'll never do it on your own. Are you with me? Jesus preached that he is the way to cleanliness. First John says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. That perfect blood that was shed, and this gets into the big theology stuff, but that's the thing that makes you right and clean before God. Not anything you can do you can't measure your day and say, oh, today I was this percent good, and then I was this percent bad, and I was this, so I think I'm clean enough to be near God. No, it's only Jesus' blood that puts us in right standing with God. Amen? Another one that I see a lot of people struggle with in our process of salvation or the idea of it is this the idea of like, but no, you don't understand all the things I've done. Like, I've really done some bad things. I understand you're saying stain, but like, I'm way past stain. Like, I've done some things. I've really messed it up. And, and so people will hide from God or, or, or resist coming to church or trying to change their life because they're so bad. We're just, I've done so many bad things. But do you know that God knows everything about you? He already knows everything about you and still chooses you. Do you know that he knew everything about you and he still sent his perfect son then? There's nothing you can do that will keep God from you. And what's amazing about God is in Psalm 103, it says, as far as from the east to the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So you've got all these bad things you think you've done that are gonna keep you from God. There's no way. He says, no, this is how far those things are removed from you. Your past, the things that held you down, the things that you struggled, all those things. Here's how far those are removed. As far as the east is from the west. We actually have a God, and here's a picture I want you to understand. This is how much God believes in forgiving you of the things that you've done. You have a God who the scripture says that when we are faithful to come to him and confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgiveness of them, forgive us of them. Literally, you have a God who's like up in heaven, he can't wait to do this, hit delete on the things that are holding you back and holding you down. I've got this history of this and I've got this thing and I've got this. And God is like, no, I'm faithful. I'm gonna throw that as far as from the east and from the west out of your life. I can't wait to hit delete out of your life on those things. Are you with me? Scripture even goes on later to say that when you, if you were to bring up things you've asked forgiveness for from God, he would say, what are you talking about? I don't have memory of the things that I've already forgiven you of. Why? Because a huge part of salvation is God hitting delete on the things that the enemy tries to use to hold you back. Are you with me? So Psalm 103 is huge. It's huge. And then lastly, in closing, I'll close with this. A huge part of the story. So Jesus came. He did it for us. We believe it. We ask forgiveness. We've repented. We're turning. We're walking toward the ways of God. Why are we walking towards the ways of God? Because we don't serve an angry lightning bolt throwing God. We walk towards him because he's a loving father. We walk towards him because you know what he's actually trying to do? He's trying to build the biggest family portrait ever. He wants all of us with him. It's not like he's up there just judging and can't wait to, and I'm gonna send some to here and some to here. No, he does everything he can and he always has done all that he can to be with us. It started in the Garden of Eden when he created a place to be with us. It says he walked in the cool of the day and he dwelt among them and he enjoys his creation. And then when he lost it because of the sin of Adam and Eve, he did all that he could so that he could make a way for him to what? Get back near us and with us and that sin be removed from us so we could be together. Salvation is about God having his kids with him and his family with them, you with him. He created you. You want what you create to be with you. Amen? So stop letting the enemy be like, you're not good enough. He doesn't care. He doesn't love you. No, he wants you with you. He wants to be with you. And so one of the pictures I want you to know about salvation is that God is trying to build the biggest family portrait ever. And he wants you in it. He desires you. The number one longing of the human heart is to feel connected or to be a part of family. You can see it all the way as a little kid, uh, little girls, they start to put doll families together and Barbies and they do all the, you know, they make these little things and they play house and boys get the trucks together and they put them together and they got these groups and, and, and you interact. As you grow up, you, you find somebody to date and you, and you get married and then you get a dog and then you get, you know, have kids and then you want to have grandkids. Why? Because the longing of your heart is to continue to do what? Add to your family. And, and, and connect and to act. That's because God put that in you because that's God. He wants to continue to create and grow with us and be with us. The term that we see here in scripture is actually salvation, you could say, is the process of final adoption. It's God going, look, I, I'm, now that you've chosen me, and I'm gonna read it to you here in a minute, you're, you're my adopted, you're a family. Uh, John 15, 15 says how God calls us friend. 
No longer do I call you servant, for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And then in Colossians 1.12, he refers to himself as our father, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. We're adopted into God's family. He has an inheritance for us, which is eternity with him in glory, in perfect body. It's, it's unbelievable. You've heard me say the last couple of weeks, it's infinitely and indescribable. Heaven is infinitely and indescribably better than anything you could even think. I just read a story last night about NASA. Do you know NASA just discovered and put together audio sounds that are happening out in galaxies? Do you know the sounds that they make? Just the, the things happening out in space. You can go, go look it up. You can hear them. Galaxy right now, space. I don't know much about this, so I'm sounding dumb. But the stars and planets, Pluto and Donald, all those planets out there, right now are making sounds of music. The, 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 the waves and the things just happening out in the atmosphere make the sound of a drum, the sound of a bell. You can hear a ding up, and, and they have recordings of this, and whistles. And right now, it, it, we can't even begin to imagine what's happening in the heavens the worship that happens, what's happening in the heavens is already happening now in our galaxies. And we get to join God in that forever. We're inheritors of that. Are you with me? So we need to be a people that choose God's family. We need to say, this process is about a, a loving heavenly father. It's not saying, oh, you're not good enough. No, it's, it's come be with me. I've spent all that I am to get you with me. We need to say yes to that. Amen? I know that's a lot in a short amount of time, but I encourage you, uh, just, just make notes and, and, and have the conversations with people um, like that, that like, God can't wait to hit delete when you for, ask for forgiveness. And, and God is someone who can wash you and make you new, and, and he's choosing you to be a part of his family. If you say yes, all those things, those are great ways for you to share salvation with somebody and, and be a witness and share your 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 faith in the gospel. Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're in here this morning and this whole idea or this concept to you may be new or you've heard it before and maybe not responded to it, um, I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today and heard these words. Um, we've challenged each other as Christians to, to think about how we talk about sharing the gospel, but but maybe you're a non-believer in here and, and you've heard it and, and now you, you're thinking about it. I would encourage you that this is the day the Lord has made for you. And I wouldn't walk away from an opportunity like this to make a decision for God, to, to change your default destination and begin to experience the fullness of God in your life. Begin to experience all those promises I mentioned. God's not a God of rules. He's a God of promises because he wants what's best for you. So if you're in here, I'm gonna give us all in this room the opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation. Not gonna embarrass you, not gonna have you come forward, not gonna single you out or anything like that at all. As a matter of fact, everybody in here is gonna keep their head bowed, their eyes closed. But I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray this prayer. Actually, the whole room is gonna pray it together. But if you're in here and you say, I wanna pray that prayer of salvation today, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna make him my Lord and Savior. Right where you're sitting, we're all gonna pray this together. But if that's you in here before God, if you'll just raise your hand up and say, count me in that prayer, just so I know who we're praying for. If you're in here, I see that hand. Anybody else? 
We're all going to pray it together, but I just really want to encourage you to, to take a bold step today and say, God, today I'm putting you first. I want that jersey change. I want to do the repentance thing. I want to turn from my ways and begin to follow you and see amazing things happen as you walk in the inheritance that he has for you. Anybody in there? Anybody else? Just slip your hand up. I would encourage you in this. If you, if you don't have the boldness to slip your hand up, but you want to be counted in this prayer, just pray it and mean it from your heart. Just mean it from your heart as you pray it. And I believe God will, will do it and honor it. So let's all pray this together. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give it up for them that prayed that prayer. The best decision of your life and your afterlife. I think as I'm going I'm to start saying that. So um, if you prayed that prayer, we have a free gift for you. A little, little book um, just helps you in some of your next steps. Maybe helps you how to pray and, and how to live out kind of your, your next uh, journey with God. And uh, that book is totally free at the end of service. You can go past the coffee bar. Our prayer room is back there. They have copies of those to give you. I uh, would also encourage you, if you're here and you've been thinking about somebody that you would like to have this conversation with, maybe go back there and grab one of those books and just be ready to give that away uh, as God honors your boldness uh, to reach out. And so I would really encourage you that. Um, one part I didn't get to, and a lot of people have this question, uh, and it's a great question, is uh, can you lose your salvation? Can you be somebody who prayed a prayer or did a thing and then not make it to heaven? And we've heard extreme cases. What if somebody prays the prayer of salvation and spends the rest of their life as a terrorist and killing? Da, da, da. Um, obviously, God is the eternal judge. He's the judge. Uh, but I, from my standpoint on things, I would say uh, if in a case like that where somebody uh, prayed a prayer, went through the motions of a prayer, and then spent a life living like that with the no fruit of God and salvation in their life, I wouldn't say that they actually prayed the prayer in a heartfelt, meaningful, they didn't mean it in their heart. They went through the motions. The scripture says that even the demons can quote scripture and say, Lord, Lord, I think if you don't mean it in your heart, then you say words. So salvation happens when your heart is surrendered and you mean it. And if you've prayed a prayer from a heartfelt, surrendered life type place, then your salvation is forever. Does that make sense? And we can talk more and debate more and my email is online and stuff. Would love to explain that more if you have any more questions. Uh, but yes, your salvation, when your name is in the Lamb's book of life and it's an experience and a conversion, um, I believe that there's fruit of it in your life and, uh, and I believe that that's forever.